Church fans to episode number 135 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off of your first order. And today, got to start with the big news. Commissioner Gary Bettman in a conference call Tuesday afternoon, just talking a little bit about what's to come, you know, as the NHL looks to, uh, you know, launch this playoff tournament. And Bettman basically acknowledged what I think a lot of us already know, what a lot of us have probably been saying all along, but the risk is never zero when you do something like this. I mean, this pandemic is still happening, but it sounds like fans, players, and teams, according to Bettman, all really, really want to finish the season and award the Stanley Cup. So that's great, and it sounds like we're going to get a chance to do that. Uh, Teams will not be getting back on the ice until getting assurances from medical professionals. There are two hub cities that are still to be determined. There will be an Eastern Conference city and one Western Conference city. The date is still to be determined as well. And they are moving forward with the round robin for the teams with the buys. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the playoff structure. The top eight teams are going to get buys. The other 16 teams will be in a qualifying round. And again, if you missed the most recent episode, 12 Eastern Conference teams, 12 Western Conference teams, they will be separated. They will not play each other until the Stanley Cup Finals. So what that means for the Eastern Conference is the Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, Flyers, they will all play each other once in a round robin. They are indeed going to do this. This had been the rumor. Now it sounds like it's pretty much set in stone. So those four teams, they'll play each other once. You know, it's, it's a way to get them to get their legs under them before, you know, having to dive straight into a best of seven uh, playoff series. And the outcomes of these games will determine the order of the top four seeds. So I got to be honest, you know, obviously I'm no Bruins fan. I don't, I don't think too many Rangers fans tend to pull for the Bruins, but I think they're getting cheated here. You know, th- this is the one... Uh, aspect of this this relaunch that I think seems a little bit unfair. The Bruins far and away the best team in the Eastern Conference in the regular season, and now they're being put on an even playing field as the Lightning Capitals and Flyers, all of whom the Bruins had a better record than. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem fair to me to, to allow that to happen, but regardless of what happens in those uh, round-robin games, the Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, and Flyers will all still get buys. They will be seeded one through four based on the outcome of the round robin. And those games that they'll all be playing against each other will follow regular season overtime rules. So it's not like, uh, you know, the playoffs where we play all night if we have to until somebody scores a goal. It will go to overtime, three on three overtime for five minutes. If nobody scores, shootout, and that will determine the winner. Now, the Rangers, obviously, they're matched up against the Hurricanes, and they will be in a best of five in the qualifying round. Every qualifying round series will be a best of five. We also know that the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals will be best of seven. Uh, They do not yet know if the first and second round, so basically the round of 16 and the round of eight, the first and second rounds of the playoffs, they have not yet determined if that's going to be best of five or best of seven. And I'm a big fan of a long playoff series, man. You know, it's the Stanley Cup 
playoffs, and I can accept the fact that the qualifying round is best of five because what you're doing in a way there is you are rewarding the best teams. The teams that have buys, they don't have to play in a best of five, which is a little bit more of a crapshoot than a best of seven. I think best of seven, a lot of times, you know, the cream tends to rise to the top. The better team tends to win. And not to say there aren't upsets. There's upsets all the time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think, you know the better you are, probably the longer you want the series to go because you just want to give your team as many chances as possible to put their best foot forward. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of best of five beyond the qualifying round. I think once it gets down to 16 teams, you just do the Stanley Cup playoffs as you would always do them. Every single round is best of seven. We'll see which route they choose to go there. Uh, like I said, could be best of five, could be best of seven. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, training camps likely will not open until the first half of July. And the other news, the seven teams that did not qualify for the playoffs, they are the Sabres, Devils, Ducks, Kings, Sharks, Senators, Red Wings. They will all be in the NHL draft lottery, which will hold its first phase on June 26th. And these seven teams, they will be in the draft lottery, but so too will the eight teams that are eliminated in the qualifying round of the playoffs. So Obviously, I don't want the Rangers to lose, but if they do lose in the first round, they will be part of the draft lottery as well. If they beat the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes will be in the draft lottery. So we'll see what happens there as well. Definitely an interesting formula, an interesting way to go about it. And uh, the return to play committee still considering a couple other matters. They are not yet sure if they will reseed after the qualifying round of the playoffs. Uh, I personally would reseed. I, I like the idea that the best team in the league, you know, gets rewarded by playing supposedly the worst team in the league, or, or rather the worst team left in the playoffs. So that's how they do it every year. I see no reason to deviate from that this year. But there's obviously still some work to be done. I mean, we don't know when these games are going to be played. We don't know where these games are going to be played. We don't know how frequently these games are going to be played. You know, I would imagine that you could probably, and I didn't mention this in the last episode, but I would imagine since there isn't really going to be any traveling, you know, like we said, there's going to be two hub cities. So let's say the Eastern Conference, let's just say they're in Pittsburgh. I've seen Pittsburgh thrown out there as an idea. So let's say they're all in Pittsburgh. Uh, you don't have travel days anymore. So I don't know that you would need to give these teams as many off days as you typically do. Although it is the playoffs, it is certainly a punishing, taxing playoff series. Basically, the way they usually do it is you play, and then you have a day off, and then you play, and then you have a day off, and then you play, and then you have a day off. We'll see if they continue to go down that road, but the fact that there isn't any traveling really at all, that might mean that it doesn't take quite as long to complete a playoff series. We'll see how they want to go about it. And one other point that I just wanted to make real quick here, I know Gary Bettman, you know, he has sometimes during his tenure as NHL commissioner left something to be desired, but I think uh, this is one of his successes. You have to tip your cap a little bit here. And look, it's not just him. He's getting the cooperation of the owners and the players and the fans even, you know, everybody wants to see this happen. So uh, it seems like this was a less contentious negotiation than what we're seeing in certainly MLB, because every time you hear an update in MLB, it seems like the entire negotiation process has taken a turn for the worse. I'm not so sure we're going to have an MLB season, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. There's still time, obviously, for them to figure it out. And the NBA kind of seems up in the air. I know there's some talk about potentially doing the games at Disney, so that would be kind of cool as well. But bottom line, the NHL is the first uh, pro sports organization in this country to get all of its ducks in a row and get this thing ready to, to launch, get it off the ground, get the playoffs underway, go through the entire playoff tournament, get yourself a Stanley Cup champion, just the way the fans want it, just the way the players want it. And I think Bettman, listen, he's had some hits and misses over the years. I'll be the first one to admit that, but I think you do have to tip your cap a little bit here because he's obviously presided over this really whole 
process. And now we're going to be getting Stanley Cup playoffs, so that's awesome, and we've all got something to look forward to. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. Another thing that I wanted to do on this podcast is take a look at all four of the Rangers matchups against the Carolina Hurricanes this season. And believe it or not, it's not just because the Rangers went 4-0 and against the Canes in the regular season. Obviously, they're playing them in the playoffs. So I kind of wanted to look back, break down some stats, remember some some big highlights, uh, some exciting goals scored by the Rangers. Just take a look back, see what all went down between the Rangers and Hurricanes this season, and see if there's anything we learned in those regular season matchups that maybe uh, applies to a playoff series, the playoff series that the Rangers will be playing against the Hurricanes, hopefully in just a couple of short months here. But yes, as we said, the Rangers, I'll just run through the wins and losses real quick, and then we'll break them down in greater detail. I think today we'll take a look at the first two matchups so far this season, you know, Rangers and Hurricanes, and then in a future episode, we'll look at the most recent two. But just again, to run down the dates and the scores of all four of these games, back on November 7th, this was six months ago, if you can believe that, the Rangers went to rally, took down the Canes 4-2, to then on November 27th, the Hurricanes visit Madison Square Garden. The Rangers put up a 3-2 victory in that one. On December 27th, this was actually the first game after the holiday break. The Rangers go back to rally. They post another win against the Canes, this time 5-3. And then most recently, on February 21st, uh, the most lopsided, at least if you're going by the score, the Rangers take down the Hurricanes 5-2, once again in rally on February 21st. And we will start, like I said, by breaking down the first Rangers-Hurricanes game this season. And again, November 7th, that was six months ago. That's really hard to believe. Rangers post a 4-2 victory in this one. And it was a game where it was the Henrik Lundqvist show. We were partying like it was 2014. Henrik Lundqvist just stands on his head in this game for the Rangers. He makes 45 saves on 47 shots. And in fact, the Rangers were outshot in this game, 47-19. to Yes, you heard that right. 47-19. to And they still post a 4-2 victory. The fact that they were outshot by 28 didn't really matter because Henrik Lundqvist continued his career-long domination of the Carolina Hurricanes. This was a game where the Rangers never trailed. And in fact, that's a theme here. The Rangers... All season, four games against the Hurricanes have only trailed once, and it was one to nothing in their third matchup. But they never trailed in this one. Uh, Artemi Panarin, Brendan Lemieux, Philip Heedle, Adam Fox all score goals for the Blue Shirts. Panarin also had an assist because why not? Of course he did. Just another night at the office for Artemi Panarin, another multi-point performance. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich with a pair of assists. And going to give out the goal of the game here, and it has to go to Artemi Panarin himself. He broke a scoreless tie with less than a minute left in the first period. Now, the Rangers, to this point in the game, 
again, it was scoreless. They had been absolutely dominated. The Hurricanes were basically just skating circles around them, and the only thing keeping the Rangers in this game and keeping the game scoreless was Henrik Lundqvist. He made uh, a series of just brilliant saves in this first period. The Rangers, like I said, they were nearly run out of the building, but this was a great goal. Uh, Jesper Foss behind the net just works his tail off to win a 50-50 puck, and what else is new? We're used to seeing that from Jesper Foss. He passes behind his back to Ryan Strom, and Strom is also behind the net. He passes in front to Artemi Panarin. Panarin roofs it and gives the Rangers a 1-0 lead, and a big momentum shift there because, again, you know, the Hurricanes completely dominated that first period. This goal is scored with less than a minute to go in the first, and just like that, uh, a period in which you basically were completely and thoroughly thrashed, uh, you actually now have a lead going into the break, and it kind of just set the tone for the rest of the night. Again, the Rangers outshot by a wide margin, but it was quality over quantity in this one, and uh, the Rangers found a way to get it done. Mika Zibanejad did not play in this game. This is when he was dealing with an injury. Uh, Brady Shea, who was on the Rangers at this time, this is before he was traded to the Hurricanes. He was not in the lineup either. He was a healthy scratch. And of course, whenever this playoff series does start, Rangers and Hurricanes, that's going to be an interesting little subplot because obviously Brady Shea is going to be going up against the Rangers, his former team. He was on the Rangers as recently as just a couple of months ago. And also Julian Gauthier, for that matter, because the Hurricanes, you know, young, promising player, a little bit raw, but I think he certainly has some upside. Uh, the Hurricanes send Gauthier over to New York in exchange for Brady Shea. So we'll see if Julian Gauthier can make his old team pay for that, and it'll be interesting to see how he does against his former team as well. Uh, again, very interesting kind of a subplot to track when the Rangers meet the Hurricanes in the playoffs. How will Brady Shea fare against the Rangers? How will Julian Gauthier fare against the Hurricanes? And the only other note here is that Peter Morazic was in net for the Hurricanes, and he, in fact, was the starting goalie for three of the Hurricanes games against the Rangers this season. Uh, James Reamer started the other one. James Reamer started the third game against the Rangers out of the four. And a little bit of a timeshare going on there. I mean, Mrazek has the, the lion's share, I, I suppose. Mrazek has played 40 games for the Hurricanes this season. James Reamer has played 25. They actually have fairly similar numbers. Mrazek has gone 21-16-2 with a 2.69 goals against average and a 9.05 save percentage to go along with three shutouts. James Reamer has gone 14-6-2, a goals against average almost identical. It's 2.66 and a 9.14 save percentage. He, too, has three shutouts. And the other uh, interesting note here is that both recently have been dealing with some sort of an injury or another. Peter Morazic actually had a concussion. He was out for about two and a half weeks. He actually returned on March 10th, so he got one game in uh, before the NHL paused its season. He returned for a start in Detroit. He stopped 23 of 25 shots in that game and got the victory. So I would imagine just the fact that he was back for that one game in March, uh, he will be ready to go for the playoff series against the Rangers. And then James Reamer, uh, you know, he also was dealing with a lower body injury, and he has not played since February 22nd. So it'll be interesting. It, it sounds like they'll be at full strength because I am seeing that the belief is that Reamer was going to be ready for the playoffs. And so they'll have their choice, Morazic or Reamer. I would imagine they'll probably go with Morazic. Uh, you know, he's got some playoff experience. He started 10 of the Canes 15 postseason games last season. Curtis McElhenney got the other five starts, although he is no longer with the team. He is now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we'll see. And, and maybe I'll talk to the guys. Like we said, we're going to look to do a crossover episode with the guys from Locked on Hurricanes. Maybe they'll shed some more light on this situation as well. But certainly uh, an interesting subplot to this series is who the Hurricanes want to go with in net uh, against the Rangers.
As for the second matchup between the Hurricanes and the Rangers, once again, this occurred on November 27th at Madison Square Garden. The Rangers claiming a 3-2 victory in this one, and the Rangers just came out flying in this game. Uh, they were up 2 to nothing less than five minutes into the game. Zibanejad scored on a power play. Brendan Smith actually scored to make it 2 to nothing, and then Adam Fox tallies late in the third period to make it 3 to nothing. And that was it for the Rangers as far as scoring was concerned. The Hurricanes got goals from Ryan DeSingle and Warren Fogle early in the second period, but Henrik Lundqvist once again shut them down the rest of the way. And again, one of the best performances of the season for Henrik Lundqvist. He just continues to dominate this team and just have their number. Even in what is his career worst season, you still do see those flashes of brilliance from Henrik Lundqvist. And again, just just he has this team's number. What else is there to say? He stops 41 of 43 shots in this game. And to me, it's very impressive because, you know, the, the Hurricanes in the second period, they start to take control. They start to rally their way back into the game, right? They're down 3 to nothing. They quickly make it 3-2. to two. There was only about a minute and a half between the two goals that were scored. And you're thinking, oh, man, here we go. You know, the, the, here come the Canes. But Henrik Lundqvist just keeps them out of the net for the rest of the way. And 36-plus minutes of scoreless hockey from that point on. So Henrik Lundqvist, like we said, had to protect a one-goal lead uh, for 36-plus minutes. And that's no easy task, but he got the job done. Just another reminder that even though this has not been a banner season for Lundqvist, he is still capable of turning back the clock and turning in a great performance on the right night and against the right opponent. And we saw that again right here. As for the goal of the game here, I got to give it to Brendan Smith. And what a strange sentence to say out loud. But he applied some pressure on the forecheck. He really created this whole thing. Uh, the puck's behind the net. He goes in hard on the forecheck. His teammates follow suit. The Rangers take away the boards, and Smith kind of circles back toward the blue line. He receives a pass from Ryan Lindgren, and he just lets it fly off the iron and in, and it gives the Rangers a 2 to nothing lead. And once again, the Rangers massively outshot in this game. This time they are outshot 43-25. to But again, Lundqvist steals the show, turns in a great performance. Rangers hang on for the win in the Garden, and just like that, they are 2-0 and against the Hurricanes this season. The only other thing that I wanted to do today was we have sort of a locked-on theme across all podcasts this week where we are taking a look at a random year back in our franchise's history. And one of the years that's been assigned to us is the year 2000. And if you're a Ranger fan, you know that that was not exactly a great period of New York Rangers hockey. Uh, that was the third consecutive year that the Blue Shirts missed the playoffs, and they would not get back to the postseason until 2005-2006. But there's really not much to say about 2000 for the Rangers. And really, this is kind of unique for hockey because technically I could either talk about the 1999-2000 season or the 2000-2001 season. But we might as well go with 1999-2000 because that's when the playoffs are played. The playoffs were played in 2000. So to me, that's the season to go with. But there's just really not that much to say. This was a just bad season for the Rangers. I really don't know how else to say it. 29 wins, 38 losses, 12 ties, and 3 overtime losses. That was during the time period where ties still existed, but teams were starting to receive one point for an overtime loss. And I believe that's when they skated four aside in the overtime period. So the Rangers finished that season with 73 points, 12 points out of the postseason behind the eighth-seeded Sabres. And at this point, the days of the 1994 Stanley Cup Championship are really a distant memory and in fact the only players remaining from the championship squad at this point are Brian Leach Leach was the captain at this time Adam Graves and Mike Richter and Graves was in fact in his second to last season with the team Leach and Richter stuck around for a couple more years after that 
But uh, Peter Nedved led the way for the Rangers with 68 total points. He scored 24 goals. He had 44 assists. Theo Fleury was second on the team. Yeah, remember Theo Fleury? Second on the team with 64 points on 15 goals and 49 assists. And then Mike York scored a team-high 26 goals. He also had 24 assists. And if you ask me which player on the Rangers led the team in goals in 1999-2000, it would have taken me a long, long time to remember that it was Mike York. I'm not sure I ever would have gotten there. But yes, Mike York led the team with 26 goals that season. Just not a good year. The team underachieved. John Muckler was fired with four games left in the regular season. Guess who the interim coach was for the Rangers for these last four games? It was John Tortorella. So this And this was his first head coaching gig of any kind in the NHL. Now, granted, it was only for four games, and the Rangers went 0-3-1 in those four games. But the following season, he was hired by the Tampa Bay Lightning to be their head coach. And then, of course, he wins the Stanley Cup with Tampa in 2003-2004. And, of course, Tortorella came back to the Rangers in 2008-2009. He was a midseason replacement for Tom Rennie at that time. And he coached the Rangers for that year and four more seasons on top of that before he was fired after a playoff loss to the Boston Bruins in the second round. But very interesting to know that uh, John Tortorella started his head coaching tenure with the Rangers just as an interim coach and just for four games. And, you know, obviously then he goes on to Tampa Bay, wins the Stanley Cup there, comes back to the Rangers and coaches the team for approximately four and a half seasons. And that pretty much does it. I don't really know what else to say about this season. Like I said, there were not really a lot of positives. I actually thought about just moving this segment to the start of the episode, and then we could end on the positive stuff, the Rangers, you know, dominating the Hurricanes all season and talk about that to end the show. But I don't know. I, I figure people might tune out if I began the episode by talking about the 1999-2000 Rangers. But it just makes you appreciate the good times that much more. And I think we're getting into some good times with the Rangers. I know that... They are back in the playoffs largely as a result of the fact that there's 24 teams in the playoffs, but you never know. Maybe if they had restarted the regular season, uh, this Ranger team would have scratched and clawed their way into the 16-team dance as well. But I think it's a good time to be a Ranger fan. You know, certainly it's a better time to be a Ranger fan than it was in 1999-2000, and it's looking like they are moving in the right direction. They are putting the pieces together. There's a young, fun, exciting team, and the same could not be said for 1999 and 2000. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.